Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? Still reveling in the Saints' Monday night victory over the Seattle Seahawks. Why not? And um, to all my friends in South Louisiana, be careful today. It's supposed to get ugly later this afternoon with the weather. I know um, for my game this evening, I was supposed to be doing a volleyball game for Cox Sports Television, which got canceled. They didn't want St. Joe's kids driving in from Baton Rouge and completely understandable. So it's going to be ugly. Um, we've been told so by our local weather people. And um, so stay safe. This is Datitude, episode number 15 for a Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. I am Jim Jerry, sports betting writer at the Advocate Times Picune and bet.nola.com. In about 10 minutes, or maybe even less, we will have retiring president of the Professional Football Hall of Fame, David Baker, on and to talk about all sorts of things. Great conversation we had with, I call him Commissioner, Commissioner David Baker, former commissioner of the Arena Football League. Uh, we had a great relationship back when I was covering the voodoo in the mid-2000s into about 2008 or so. Um, loved my time there. And I was actually Arena Football League president. I mean, Arena, I'm sorry, Arena Football League Writers Association president. There was actually a such thing as Arena Football League Writers Association. It was pretty big for a while. Um, lots of players at that time came out of the AFL and went into the NFL. So... I uh, enjoyed my time there and uh, really uh, loved getting to, getting to know David Baker and uh, can't wait to have him on. That'll be in just a few minutes. But I do want to talk first about uh, some Saints news that we didn't get to yesterday. Actually, one thing broke while we were doing the podcast with Doug Mouton. Um, and then also after David Baker, I'll give you my pick for the Thursday night game since there's no Thursday datitude. Um, and then on Friday, we will have... Uncle Big Nick and Conductor Dave coming on the show for our weekend picks, and we will review what we did last week, and it was a pretty good weekend for us last week. Maybe not so much in my NFL picks column, which I was very mediocre, but everywhere else I was really good. So I had a good weekend, um, and actually my guys had a fairly good weekend. We'll try to do it again this week on Friday. But first, let's talk about some of the things going on with the Saints. So obviously not all good news. Uh, as the Saints get ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Guard Andrus Pete appeared, is uh, feared, not appeared, to have torn his pectoral muscle. Um, Amy just wrote a little thing yesterday, uh, and I never even saw this, but Ian Rappaport on the NFL Network reported this. So the Saints are awaiting some, uh, some more imaging, but uh, if he is out for the season, oof. That is not good for the Saints, who were just starting to seem to get healthy on the offensive line. So Calvin Throckmorton came in for Pete, and he has played a lot this year, and it appears as if he certainly may play more going the rest of the way. Um, we'll see what it does 
to the O-line. Again, Eric McCoy just came back. Uh, so did Teron Armstead. And, um, you know, that O-line has had lots of games over the past few years where they have just not been all together. And it looks like it's going to be that way for the rest of the year. Uh, Rod Walker wrote a story yesterday. Or was that this morning? That is this morning. Uh, Alvin Kamara has been named the NFC's Offensive Player of the Week. That's because he was the offense for the New Orleans Saints for the most part, uh, not the first time this season. He had 128 receiving yards, 51 rushing yards, uh, and certainly was a big part of the reason why the Saints are 4-2. and two. Uh, He also, last time he won that honor, he, well, you remember it. He scored six touchdowns on Christmas Day against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, quite a day. And just a side note, Rod, Rod Walker also puts in his, uh, in his column, the, uh, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week is also from the New Orleans area. Atlanta Falcons linebacker Deion Jones, who went to Jesuit, had a big week for the Falcons. And um, he's one of two players from the area to receive Player of the Week honors because Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver Jamar Chase Won the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. And most of you know that Chase was also in the Catholic League. He, uh, he had 201 yards and a touchdown. The formal Rummel wide receiver. So, look, we had this past weekend. We had a it – was, it was a great weekend for the Catholic League. You had Jamar Chase. You had Deion Jones from Jesuit. You also had Foster Moreau for Jesuit. And I'm, I'm saying I like the TV guys. It's Morrow. That's how we pronounce Morrow. Morrow. Forster Morrow of Jesuit also scored a touchdown for the Raiders. Um, as did Leonard Fournette from St. Augustine. So you had uh, Catholic League all over the place in the NFL doing big things. It was quite the weekend for those from the Catholic League. Uh, Amy just has an interesting uh, column that she puts out every week. This one came out yesterday, but... You know, I thought it was kind of interesting to go through uh, some of the about the uh, some of the injured players uh, and how they returned and how much they played. One, uh, the first one she's got is Mac- Marcus Davenport, the defensive end. Um, you know, it's Anyamata's coming back this weekend, so that defensive line is really starting to get healthy. I think it's going to be an interesting weekend, interesting game this weekend. And I, you know, I, if you read my NFL picks column today, if you haven't, go check that out, check it out either at bet.nola.com or nola.com slash sports slash saints. Um, and I give my pick for the weekend. I'll also give it on Friday. But I, I look, I like the Saints this week. I think they match up well with Tampa Bay. And especially now that they're getting their defensive line healthy, which is going to have to happen to be able to beat Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. And Marcus Davenport played uh, 62% of the snaps this week. Uh, he had just one tackle and one quarterback hit, but he was a big key. Doug Mouton talked about it yesterday. Uh, linebacker Quan Alexander was back. Um, but Pete Werner still got most of the snaps and got the start. Alexander played on 29% of the snaps. Center Eric McCoy was back on the O-line, along with Teron Armstead. Both of them played all 74 snaps. So, obviously, big-time positive news, and even – with the possible loss of Andrus Pete, having those two guys back is huge, and Throckmorton has played very well. 
Uh, receiver Traquan Smith played in 55% of the offensive plays, although he wasn't very effective. That's a whole other story. We touched on that yesterday. I'm not going to get all over him on that. And the only negative, really, is you're talking about the offensive line unit, Ryan Ramchek, Cesar Ruiz, Eric McCoy, Anders Pete, and Teron Armstead. They only played 17 snaps together. Pete obviously leaving the game um, and not coming back and now may not come back at all this year. So, Calvin Throckmorton, get yourself ready because you will be playing a whole lot of football going forward, most likely. Uh, let's get to the interview with David Baker. And I really don't want to waste a lot of time because we spent a lot of time talking. Again, we talk about the Saints, uh, what potential Saints could get in the hall later besides the obvious one, Drew Brees. We talk about what uh, the NFL is meant to New Orleans and what New Orleans means to the NFL, uh, his viewpoints. Uh, some of his greatest knocks, you've seen all the, the YouTube videos and, of David Baker getting a knock on the door. And, um, you know, we, I ask him about, a lot of people think it's staged. Well, I mean, of course it's staged at some point because all the candidates are locked up in a hotel room waiting to see if they get the knock. But it goes beyond that because they're in the hotel room, but they don't know if they're going to get the knock or not. So these emotions that he sees when he goes to knock on the door are 100% real. So we talk about that and talk about a lot of other things. In fact, let's just get into it. And after we're done, we'll come back and uh, give you our final thoughts and our pick for Thursday night's game. I am honored and privileged to have the retiring president of the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame with me, David Baker. Um, I, if you're okay with it, I'm just going to call you commissioner because that's what you are to me. <laughs> Jim, that's a real honor too. I, I, you know, I've always felt that I had a special relationship with New Orleans because there were so many wonderful things either in the Arena Football League or at the Pro Football Hall of Fame that involved New Orleans and Tom and Gail Benson and the Saints and the Voodoo. And so it's it's great to be with you. Well, thank you very much. And, um, you know, I, before we get into the, the whole Hall of Fame thing, you know, one thing is, uh, and I've told this to many people and I've told it to you, but uh, one of the things that why you're near and dear to my heart is, you know, I didn't know you all that well when I first became uh, Arena Football League Writers Association president. And yes, there was an Arena Football League Writers Association for, for quite a while. But, uh, you know, after Katrina hit and, you know, I called you to ask the future of, uh, of the AFL in New Orleans, you stopped me and asked me about me. And I, I've told this to many people that that touched me more than you know, uh, for you to care about some writer in New Orleans who you know, is just covering the league. And, uh, you know, it's not something that a lot of commissioners, I think, would have done. And obviously, it, sh it showed me a lot about you and the personal side of you and that, that you care about the people that you deal with a, on a normal basis. Jim, it, 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 to me, that's everything. I, uh, I have enjoyed meeting good people like you. You were the last interview, I believe I did, when I left the Arena Football League. And uh, you, you may end up being the last interview I do as I've left the Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, it, it's still exciting to see. And, uh, again, I think New Orleans has a special character to it. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Benson was the first NFL owner to buy an arena football team. 
And uh, I always had a great relationship with him. I always was really impressed that whenever I was around Tom, he had friends with him that he'd been known for 40 or 50 years. And, you know, out here in California, you know, six months is a long friendship because people are coming and going all the time. And I was impressed by that. And, and and then when Gail came into the picture, she was enormously gracious. Uh, and uh, I remember he and Archie Manning uh, asking us to have the Arena Bowl be the first kind of event really back in New Orleans after Katrina. And that was a special time. I mean, it was a, a, a time of courage and character for the people of New Orleans. And then uh, when I went to the Hall of Fame uh, and we were building this new stadium, uh, Tom and Gail Benson were the ones to step up to make it Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. And it is one of the finest uh, small venue NFL stadiums in the world. And uh, I'm sure his legacy will not only be in New Orleans, but there in Canton uh, forever. And so it's been a great relationship. and, and, And it's not just the owners of the saints that are special and he's he, he and gail are very special um but it's people like you who make it happen who tell the stories who um you know i think new orleans to me has a special part in my tenure with both the arena football league and the pro football hall of fame well uh, those are very kind words uh, i appreciate it very much and yes the i mean Look, the Bensons, uh, I don't think they get enough credit for what they've been able to do to help New Orleans. Look, we went through some rough times in in 2005. There were times when we worried about uh, whether the Saints would leave. Um, But obviously, the the state and Mr. Benson worked together to to make sure that it happened. Um, And now, I think Gail Benson is just, I mean, I've, I've said this many times over the past few months especially, but with Mr. Benson gone, Mitch, he has truly become a saint, not in the, the words of a New Orleans saint, but just a saint and just going through and making sure that the uh, of the Catholic church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. And her relationship yeah. with the church and everything else. But, but commissioner, I, th- I think, what is your perspective of Gail Benson? And obviously you've had dealings with her, but uh, for her to step up now and to make sure that the saints and the Pelicans stay in New Orleans, long after she leaves us. Yeah, listen, I think she has a heart of gold and uh, she is as gracious as they come. I I used to say that I uh, could not, um, you know, fly over Louisiana without getting a thank you note from Gail. She she is that thoughtful, that conscientious. And I I really, again, I, I, I think that there's, you know, it, it's hard to be an NFL owner. Uh, you know, you're out there in the press every day. Uh, you've got a big operation where everybody's visible. Uh, you're responsible for the decisions sometimes of kids that are, you know, 20, 22, you know, 30 years old. <laughs> right. and, and, and I think she has done it with enormous grace. And I think Tom would be, and I think he's looking down and is very proud. But I also think she has done a wonderful job of trusting her staff. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Dennis and Mickey and Greg and, uh, you know, Mike who does the t- tickets there. Uh, it's an incredible group you have there. Uh, I think the, 
you know, along with your coaching staff, uh, you know, Sean, uh, I think you've got an incredible staff in New Orleans, and, and they're deeply committed to that city. And you know, you you are a small market team, but um, you know, both with the uh, you know with the Saints and with the Pelicans, uh, you guys are sold out every game. And they do a tremendous job. And I think it's been the heart and soul of not only that city, but really of Louisiana. And um, so I think you got a, a great staff on the field, in the front office. I think you've got a very classy owner. And um, and I think it has helped uh, New Orleans a great deal. I mean, I, you know, like everybody else in America who's my age, you remember Katrina and it was horribly devastating. The, you know, the damage, the human damage to the soul uh, was incredible. And then all of a sudden, Mike Gleason comes in and blocks a punt on, you know, Monday Night Football, and uh, it takes them all the way to the Super Bowl. And, uh, and I remember Tom Benson calling me and saying, uh, you know, that you know the the NFL wasn't going to let him not play. That he had to find a way to move to Santana practice, but uh, he wasn't going to move from New Orleans. But it was going to take everything they could to focus on that. And he didn't have uh, you know the ability to play arena football that year. But he promised he would come back, and uh, and he did. Uh, he, he was a man of his word. So, uh, listen, I just have nothing but the greatest respect for the Saints, uh, for Gail. Uh, I saw what she did in Tom's life. You know, I, I knew his wife before Gail, and she just uh, made him happy. And, and that's pretty special. And I think she is a gracious lady, um, you know, a woman of faith. And, and I think you got an outstanding staff there uh, that's supporting her. So, you know, I think there's nothing but good ahead for the, uh, for the Saints. Well, before we go any further with some questions about the Hall of Fame and things like that, I want to talk about you and, you know, your wife, Colleen, you have four kids. I believe you have 10 grandkids. Am I right about that? 10 grandkids and a great-grandson on the way. Well, congratulations on that. Just so what are you going to do with yourself now? I know you have been, you're a man who doesn't stop. So um, how, how are you going to figure out retirement? You know, Jim, uh, I'll tell you, it's a, um, the Hall of Fame for me was all-consuming. Uh, it was a wonderful privilege to serve these incredible Hall of Famers. It was a wonderful privilege to serve as one of the guardians of the game on a great team that does that, to serve its history, and also talk about the values of the game. Um, but, you know, in any job, just like, you know, for your job, um, you're essentially renting out your thoughts. Uh, you, 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 and, and for me, uh, you know, I'd like to have a little time to think my own thoughts now. Uh, I, I'd like to, to write. I'd like to speak. Uh, I'd like to, there's some projects that I want to complete and some others I want to begin. Uh, but I also want to be around those grandkids some to mentor into their life. Uh, they're beautiful, beautiful kids. Um, but I, I think there's a, a lot of good that can still be done. Uh, and while it was a wonderful opportunity to be president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, to do good, I don't have to be president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It was interesting for me, uh, this last 
uh, two years. You know, we had uh, this incredible pandemic hit. Uh, we had George Floyd, you know, kind of uh, help us understand how divided our country is uh, through that experience. Um, at the Hall of Fame, we went through la this last August, essentially 28 enshrinees. Now that's, you know, each year you enshrine four to seven. So that's four times as many as in the biggest year previously. Um, and we had the first full stadium at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium for football in nearly 20 months. Um, so all of those were, were wonderful things, uh, but it also gave me the impression that, uh, you know, uh, respectfully, uh, I'd like to have more time to pray for people. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to have more time where I'm not just doing uh, but, you know, I'm developing a good, you know, deeper spiritual relationship. And, um, and you know, hopefully this will give me the opportunity to do it. I, I hate leaving the Hall of Fame in Canton. Uh, they were good people. Um, there's no good time to, to leave something you love that much. Um, but there is a right time. And I felt that if I didn't do it now, uh, I might not have that time. So I, I uh, you know, right now I'm going to have a little bit of a control over my own thoughts. Uh, I, I'm going to think about some ideas. I'm going to be with some good friends, uh, and I'm going to hopefully um, think about things that are more important than just urgent. You know, one thing that, uh, as great as you've been to me, we've never held it against you that your son Sam played for the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll tell you a story. You know, in, uh, in, in, I guess some of your viewers may not know this, but in the NFL, uh, there's a lot of fines. There are, now there's league fines, which are really serious. Uh, there's team fines, which are also serious. And then there's position group fines, which means the guys in your position room, in Sam's case, the offensive linemen, they have fines and they can be pretty expensive uh, because these young guys are making a lot of money. And they're for things like... Um, telling a joke that nobody laughs at, oh. or, you know, uh, it, it's just a camaraderie of the locker room. Like kangaroo court. Yeah. Or, or, or kissing up to the owner. Right. And so one night Sam calls me and I was, you know, uh, still, um, you know, you know, Arthur Blank, once the Falcons had been a owner in the arena football league, as well as in the NFL. Uh, and Sam calls me one night. It's, it's late. I mean, it's, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what's he still doing up? And he calls me, and he says, uh, hey, Dad, can you do me a favor? He goes, uh, he goes, I said, sure, son, anything. He says, can you call Mr. Blank and tell him that I'm not trying to be unfriendly to him, but every time he comes up and asks how you are, he says, it costs me a 1000 bucks." And he says, I'm down like 16000 bucks right now. <laughs> and... and, and uh, and, and so I said, don't worry about it. And, and so several weeks later, they're actually playing and they're, they, they play in New Orleans uh -huh. and he, they're doing their, they're in their stretching lines at the beginning of the game. And all of a sudden as they're stretching, um, you know, um, he sees an older gentleman come across midfield and he's come across closer and closer. And it was uh, Tom Benson. You know, coming to the other team to find out how much that son was doing. And he's here, where's Baker? And, and finally, Sam sees him and he stands up and says, hello, Mr. Benson. 
and Sam says, tell your father, you know, we said hello and we miss it. And needless to say, that was the biggest fine my son ever incurred. <laughs> We're not only kissing up to his own owner, but kissing up to the owner on the other team. And uh, but it's 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 the kind of man that uh, and the kind of relationship we had uh, there in New Orleans. And uh, and let me tell you, uh, there were some tough games there. When we, we we generally play there on Monday night or Sunday night. And, you know, I know down in the French Quarter, they start preparing for that like at 8 a.m. No question. <laughs> and, and when you're a left tackle, uh, you know, playing against somebody like Will Smith, nice. uh, man, that noise in that place is critical. And, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, we've had a lot of wonderful, wonderful times there uh, in, in the Superdome. Now, you were, you were a basketball player back in the day, weren't you? You weren't really a football guy, right? Yeah, I was a basketball player about 150 pounds ago, and um, <laughs> and uh, I, I was actually where I was. You had to get weighed to play football, and I weighed too much. When I was eight, they wanted to put me with 14 or 15 year old kids because right. I was bigger. And, and so I started developing a skill in basketball, and it was enough to get me to college. And in fact, it got me. Uh, I played in Europe with a a Christian basketball team, and then I. Um, actually uh, was in a situation where I, I got a partial scholarship to law school from the NC2A and, and uh, academics. And, um, and if it, you know, I should have played football. I've got a football mentality. I always love the game of football and the strategy of it and how many people are involved. But uh, we kind of corrected it with Sam was a, um, counting the freshman year, All-American team. He was a four-time all-American at USC. Um, my, my son Ben played for a while at Duke. So they had the 20, losing streak of 22 when USC had the winning streak of 35. Right. And we had no right. records at our house. But what and I always felt was both those guys were learning the same lessons. And they were learning from incredible coaches who taught you how to be men. And not just uh, macho, tough men, but men of character and men of compassion and men of courage and, uh, and 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 again in my life my mom and dad couldn't read or write so if it wasn't for sports uh i never would have gotten a degree in english literature or gone to law school or gotten to meet a, a you know somebody like yourself and, and, and so i really think that sports has had so many lessons uh that have taught me and my family so much uh it, it's a uh, it's been special. My my son, that's not Sam Ben, is a director of broadcasting at NASCAR. So it's been a part of our life. But while it's put bread on the table, I really think it's taught us the values and virtues uh, and lessons of life uh, that make life truly rich and, and, and much more valuable. Let's talk about uh, your time with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And obviously you had some great moments there. I've heard, I've read and heard you say that it was the best job in the world. Why so? Well, listen, just hanging around all these Hall of Famers in a bad life. Um, but again, I think it's, for me, you know, it's more than the worship of football heroes. And it's more than the worship of football as great entertainment. Uh, as I was just alluding to, I think it's, it's all about the values and the virtues and the lessons the game teaches. 
And for me, that is not just about the guys who get paid for it, like my son did, uh, or, or the guys who have a bronze bust in Canton, Ohio. Uh, there are a whole lot of young men and now women now, by the way, uh, who become police officers or firemen or journalists or teachers or preachers or certainly become fathers and mothers. And, and I think there's so many wonderful lessons of this. It was, you know, I, I called it the ecumenical church of football that, uh, you know, that, that, you know, we, we can all learn um, that you never give up. Uh, we can all learn that when you're in the huddle that everybody's included, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. You can all learn uh, that, hey, if I help that other person get better, he's gonna help me get better. Uh, we can also learn that you get knocked down, but you gotta get back up. And, and that's what happened to New Orleans and Katrina. It's what happened to uh, New York and 9-11 and our country and 9-11. And, and these are valuable lessons and I, I am truly, truly uh, grateful for so many educators in our country. Um, but a lot of education has become teaching of information and how to process it. Um, one of the great things you learn in sports and certainly in football is life and how to live it. Uh, and very few of us when we are going through a divorce or surviving a divorce or an ethical or financial crisis or whatever it may be, health crisis. Very few of us go back to our chemistry teacher or our calculus teacher. But I'll tell you, we all go back to our, our, our coach. And, and, and that's why I've had such re great respect for you or Jared Bell or Sal Palantonio, who don't just report the score and the stats. Uh, they report and tell the story of, you know, you know in the old days of uh, wide world of sports, it used to be called the human drama of athletic competition. And, and, and that's why I think that the ratings to the National Football League are so huge when everything else is falling, is every game, every story uh, is rich. And it might not make us a better football player, but it can make us a better human being. Certainly, can make us a better community. I think it has. I think the Saints have had a huge part of restoring and making the the, the strength of New Orleans so strong. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I think it's done. You know, I, I, I think what the NFL did, uh, you know, in the aftermath of 9/11 was one of the greatest days in the history of the game. So, to me. That's the greatness of the job. It's 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 wonderful, and I've been very lucky to get calls recently from guys like uh, you know Joe Namath or Joe Gibbs, or you know I, I actually Jim uh, I ended up doing a lot of uh, funerals <laughs> or, or memorials for guys who had passed, and Mark Starr was my hero when I was a little kid, and uh, remarkably I ended up uh, speaking at his memorial. And so uh, there's a lot of wonderful things for it, to give away the gold jacket, to knock on the door. Um, but I really think that to get to these values that these men stood for, we all think that they fell out of bed great, that they are what they are because they're bigger, stronger, faster, quicker. And in reality, Jim, um, I think their heart beats a little deeper. Uh, they don't give up, they do persevere, they face adversity and they do it together. So uh, all of that for me is why it's the best job in the world.
you know, all I can think about when you were talking about the wild world of sports and then, you know, all, all the things you just said, it kind of epitomizes Jim McKay saying, you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. All those things are, are, are important. I mean, they're important. You have to have both or neither matters. Yeah. It, it, well, you know, I, I've had Brett Fire say to me, you know, you always learn more from losing than you do winning. Yeah. And he, he, I don't know if he knew it, but there's a, a, a verse, I think it's in Ecclesiastes, that says, in good times rejoice, in bad times consider. And that's what happens in the NFL. You know, they party when they win, uh, but boy, when they don't, they're analyzing, they're looking at film, they're figuring out how to get better, how to correct it. And that's true of our lives too. Uh, you know, in good times rejoice, in bad times consider. And, and you know, um, no guy in the history of the game, I think, has thrown more interceptions than Brett. Um, right. But he also won some incredible games, and that's a uh, that's a great way to live life. David Baker, retiring president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, here joining us on the Datitude podcast, um, Commissioner. I, I read where you you still intend to make appearances. They hand out Hall of Fame rings uh, for for the classes, class, the classes that have already been named. But uh, you're going to hand over day to day operations. Uh, what, obviously, even though you're retiring, you still have some role. Uh, just expand on that a little bit so people will know what you know what you still will be doing. Yeah, I'll still be doing some ceremonial things, kind of through the end of the year, and, and one of those things is giving out the rings. Uh, you know, people talk to me about giving out the gold jacket uh, with a commissioner or, uh, you know, knocking on the door and giving them the news that they're in the Hall of Fame. Really cool moment is when you're at their stadium in front of their fans and you give them that ring and they put it on and they can hear those fans cheering for them one more time. Uh, you know, a week, week and a half ago, it was in Pittsburgh and you can see Troy Palomalo just ignite you know, with all these fans cheering for him. Uh, I was there in Green Bay when we did it for Jerry Kramer, who waited 45 years. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, uh, you know I, I'm available to do whatever I can to help. I also want to give my successor some room so that, you know, he can, you know, begin his own programs and do his own things. And, uh, and I'll be out here in California uh, you know, to use the old Richard uh, Nixon quote, tan rested and ready, uh, <laughs> that we needed for everything. And your successor is Jim Porter. And obviously I would imagine, you know, him fairly well uh, working with him for, for, uh, an, a little while now, uh, just tell us a little bit about him. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's had a lifetime in media. Uh, he was the publisher of the, uh, uh, Canton repository, and, and I think learned how to leverage that position really well to work with people and to make good happens, things happen. Uh, I, I think there's a tremendous team uh, that I leave behind at the Pro Football Hall of Fame who uh, have dramatically increased sponsorship and merchandise sales and all the other things. Uh, but understand that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a not-for-profit. So all the money and the profit that we make goes back into that mission of honoring the heroes of the game, preserving its history, promoting its values, and celebrating excellence everywhere. And, and, and so I think, uh, you know, he now becomes the captain of a great team. 
that will carry on. I, I don't think, you know, the hall has ever been in better shape uh, than it is now, uh, nor do I think that the game uh, has been in better shape. The league has been in better shape. Uh, I thought the league did a wonderful job last year when the rest of us were paralyzed with fear, uh, you know, quarantined in our homes, and they kind of went out and, you know, the unions and the, and the players, coaches, the networks, the referees, everybody came together uh, and said, okay, we can do this, we can do this safely, and, and we're gonna show the rest of America how it's done. So uh, I, I think it's a great, I think the Hall's in a great position to move forward. Uh, I, I think the, the league and the game will as well. I read that uh, Jim Porter was a print journalist for 30 years. So I think there's, maybe there's hope for me yet, Mr. Commissioner. Well, uh, you, you know, Jim, I think there is. Again, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, again, like I've said, I, you know, I grew up in L.A. reading a guy named Jim Murray. Yeah. Uh, I've also gone back through the archives of the Hall of Fame looking at a guy like Grantland Rice. And, and, and I think when, you, when, when you're when you in charge of putting out a story there every day and you've got to get it done by 6 o'clock or whatever the deadline is, uh, and you graduate, like I said, from talking about the score and the statistics to talking about the heart and soul of the men and women that play the game and coach the game and administer the game. And I think uh, I think you're highly qualified to do a lot of things in life. And, and I know you are. So you never know what's ahead. Well, who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe. And there have been several, actually, uh, print journalists who have become administrators in the NFL uh, throughout history. And we had, we had uh, some from the Times-Picune, as, as a matter of fact. So it's, it's um, I joke, but to me, I mean, I love coach, I love covering the high school kids. And that's one of the things, my new job, I'm, I'm more involved in the, in the pro side and the college side of things. But, uh, you know, high school kids, there's nothing like coaching high school kids because they give their all. And do, do you get to go see any kind of, I mean, I know obviously being in Canton and I know they, they played some high school games in in Tom Benson Stadium, right? Sure. Canton McKinley High School plays inside Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. But, but to me, that's one of the things I've enjoyed. I, I enjoyed both my boys in high school, and I'm grateful to their coaches. Uh, you know, my one son uh, from the NFL has coached some high school stuff. But to me, uh, you know, Jim, uh, let me go just back to one other thing. You know, a lot of guys, I don't know if it's print journalism, a lot of guys come out of media, not the least of which was Pete Rozelle. Okay. Yeah. It, it took Pete Rozelle, who was a public relations guy, you know, to put the NFL on the map and take it to that next level. A good friend of mine, John Wildhack, uh, was at ESPN for many years. He just called me the other day. Uh, and he's now the athletic director at Syracuse. So, again, I think that there's a big future for you and for other guys in the business. But I will say, going back now to that other question you asked, uh, I think there's something special about youth coaches and high school coaches. Uh, I, uh, you know, I really believe those guys touch more kids in a year than we touch in a lifetime. And uh, all of us have been inspired by probably several coaches along the way. And uh, I truly believe that, you know, they are the backbone of our military and our character as a country, you know, uh, Douglas MacArthur had the wonderful quote that he had installed on the playing fields at West Point, 
which were upon the fields of friendly strife are sown the seeds on different days and on different fields shall bear the fruit of victory. And, uh, you know, there was a time in 1905 when college presidents were going to eliminate uh, college football because it was so dangerous. There'd been, I think, I want to say 17 deaths in college football a year. And no less than uh, Teddy Roosevelt got involved as president of the United States in saving football. And having been secretary of the Navy, he prevailed upon a guy named uh, Paul Daschle, which is the head referee at Annapolis, uh, to prevail upon Walter Camp, the keeper of the rules at Yale, to incorporate this thing called the forward pass. And of course, today, the game's all about the forward pass. But at that time, it was all about making the game safer. And, you know, 30, 35 years later, you had young 17, 18, 19-year-old kids in the Pacific, uh, you know, on the beaches of Normandy, in in Africa, uh, Italy, uh, on the other side of the earth, who were fighting for the freedom of the free world. And, and, and I think they had decided, you know, Tom Brokaw called them the, uh, the greatest generation. And, and uh, it, it was, uh, I think they had a decided advantage because they knew what it was like to be a part of a team and something that was bigger than them. And, and uh, you know, to that no, sacrificing for someone else actually makes you greater and, and more relevant, not less. And, and so, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, those high school coaches, uh, those youth coaches are a critical component to our country. God bless them. I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because obviously I have plenty of coaches that I deal with on a regular basis that, that have players that are in the NFL. And to a man, they all, they, they contact their high school coaches all the time. I mean, they, they ask them for advice. They, something's going bad. They, they call their old high school coach and say, what should I do? Or, you know, I find that kind of if people that don't know, I mean, you think you, they just move on, but they really do. They call their high school coaches and they want to know, oh, how should I handle this? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when we uh, had the knock on the door this last year, we couldn't have people come together because of the pandemic. Right. So we actually went out to them and knocked on their door this year. And uh, the challenge for that was, uh, was how do we make this special? And especially for a guy like Peyton Manning, who Peyton knew that I was going to be knocking on his door. I knew he was going to be knocking <laughs> Ten seconds for him to be selected to the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, but what his wife actually came up with, along with the PR director for the uh, Broncos, a, a good gentleman named Patrick Smythe, uh, was they got either on the Jumbotron video at Mile High Stadium or in person, his youth coach, his high school coaches, his college coaches, his NFL coaches. And, and uh and, and it was special for him. It was really special. It was exciting for him. And, and it was humbling for him. And, and uh, you know, it's, it, when, when you knock on his door at that moment, you're not knocking on the door of that polished 45-year-old marketing veteran. You're knocking on the door of that 10-year-old kid that started the journey. And he remembers every coach and what they taught him and what they did the guys who picked him up off the ground. You know, he was, uh, you know, talking about 
you know, co coaches when he first got to Indianapolis. And he had the interception record, if you recall, for yeah, you know, uh, you know, for for a rookie. And uh, and you know, his coach would say, you know, no, you're not coming off the field. You go back and you figure out how not to throw that next interception. And for for guys who've had to get rockets to the moon, they've had to figure out things that are more important than an interception. And those are wonderful, wonderful lessons to learn. And I, I really believe that in athletics, in all sports, um, but I think especially in football, the great Bill Curry uh, said that football is the only sport where every player needs every teammate on every play just to survive. And, uh, you know, uh, I think there's great lessons here. We take pride in our native son, Peyton Manning. He is a New Orleans native. And uh, so, that you know, maybe I'm biased, but uh, to me that was the greatest Hall of Fame speech I think I've ever heard. You know, I, I, I got I to gotta say that there's been a lot of great ones. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, I loved Edger James. You know, the bar was very yes. high for Peyton. Yeah. Edge went up and blew it out of the water. I mean, he, he did a spectacular job, but, but Pete was, he had that humor that everybody he looked sure at. Did. Uh, you know, I, I also got to tell you, I, uh, getting Peyton in for me was a special moment because I've always loved Archie Manning. I think Archie is a really good man. He's done so much for the game, uh, you know, both as a player and as an ambassador, uh, certainly with, uh, you know, their family, uh, you know, and I would even throw Cooper in there with Eli, you know, they're the, you know, kind of football's first family from New Orleans. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, it, it, we had Archie to the hall and had an opportunity for him to see, uh, you know, the history of the game and it meant a lot to him. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it was really great. I think Eli will probably be in there before too long as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll always remember Archie. I had had a, I shared a private plane uh, with an owner from New York to uh, Indianapolis, and it was just Peyton and his wife Ashley on the plane, and I. And wow. uh, okay. we talked a little bit, but I was so impressed with Ashley. And so I'm in New Orleans for the Super Bowl, and uh, across the room I see Archie, and Archie's coming at me. And this is, you know, the Super Bowl right after uh, uh, Katrina, not too long ago, it, it, or, or uh, you know, there. In, in, I think it was after 9/11. Yeah, we had the we had the Super Bowl after after two, after 9/11 in 2002. And, and, and he saw me, and I was going to him to tell him how impressed I was, not only with Peyton but with Ashley, and. I said, hi, I'm Dave Baker. I'm the commissioner of the Arena Football League. He said, I know who you are. He said, I wanted to come over here and tell you that you need to have the Arena Bowl here in New Orleans. And, really? and he was lobbying me for, you know, for New Orleans. And I've just always really respected him. He is a kind-hearted, graceful man. And I think it, uh, he, he is kind of the world's greatest dad there that I could tell. Well, I agree with that. And I, I got to say, uh, it was, let me think. 39 years ago, but I'm still bitter that they traded uh, Archie Manning for, for Leon Gray to the Houston Oilers. And I'm convinced that if Archie Manning had played on a team like Dallas or Pittsburgh or something like that, that maybe you would have been given him a, a gold jacket or someone would have been given him a gold jacket because 
he would have been a Hall of Famer in my mind had he not played for really bad Saints teams. But, you know, again, I'm biased. So uh, is there – I want to ask you, Commissioner, is there we, – we've all seen the knock videos, and, and I know you get a kick out of, out of that and, and watching them after probably. But um, is there a, a particular one or two of those that, that you remember that is the most – that maybe is the – the best in your memory or the most fondest? You know, Jim, I remember every single one. Do you really? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it's, it's a weird deal because it's, I get this question a lot, but it's like your children, which of your children do you love the most? Right, you love right. The one? And, and uh, you know, I remember Brian Erlacher having the disturb sign on his door. <laughs> and and uh, uh, I remember Randy Moss coming to the door as this, legit superstar with this brilliant smile, but then I could see him transform into this ambassador for the game and, and the tears flow from his face. Most of them cry. Uh, I remember Brett Favre, who again, like Peyton, was a 10 second Hall of Famer, uh, but he put his hands in his pocket and he hung his head and he kind of, you know, when I told him at that point in time, I think he was one of the 302 best players, coaches, uh, or contributors to ever play the game. He he had absolute humility. It, 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 you could you could it was palpable. You could feel it. Uh, you know, just being near him, he knew the shoulders that he was standing upon. And then, he, then we went over. We took him to uh, uh, to the theater uh, for the honor show, which is where they're introduced. And our guys in the audience come up immediately and shake their hand and welcome them, them into this fraternity. <clears throat> and uh, when they did that. Uh, afterwards, there's a press conference, and I run the press conference, and uh, he's next to me, and we're waiting for it to begin. I said, how you doing? He says, are you kidding? He says, I just shook the hand of Roger Stalock, and I thought they would have known each other or something. And he says, no, you don't understand. All my life, I dreamed of being Roger Stalock. And then he paused for a second. And he goes, hey, I guess I'm on his team now, right? And I said, forever. You're forever on Roger Stalock team. Awesome. But, but again, it shows the, the journey that when they come to the door, they're not uh, thinking how much money they made. They're not thinking uh, you know, about their awards or their Pro Bowls or their rings. Uh, they're thinking about their mom that drove them to practice. They're thinking about the dad that wouldn't let them quit. Uh, they're thinking about uh, you know the, the coach that inspired them or the teammates that helped them get there. It is this journey. And... The really cool thing about it is all of us have journeys. Uh, all of us have legacies uh, of the people that have touched us, hopefully that we've had an impact on as well. But, um, you know, I got the knock on Kurt Warner's door, uh, you know, because of the Arena Football League. That was special to me. Uh, I just Iowa Barnstormers, right? Uh, uh, the Iowa Barnstormers, that's right. And, uh, you know, he's got a wonderful movie that's coming out in uh, this Christmas called American Underdog. That's about that story. And uh, I think you're, I've had the opportunity to pre-screen it. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, it's very, very cool. But uh, there's so many wonderful things that, that have uh, uh, happened through that knock on the door. But it's, you know, it, 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 it happens to be the story of their journey in the National Football League. And what's really cool for you and for all your listeners is you've got a journey as well. For sure, Commissioner. I like to wrap up the show with, with three big questions, but I, I do have one last question before I get to that. 
people, I, I've heard people say this, and I know it. You, you have to be able to see it. Tell people who think that those knocks are staged. Oh, tell, tell, and I'm sure you get that question all the time. But tell them that that it's not stay. I mean, the, the, you don't get these kind of emotions from the these players. Obviously, yeah, we, to me. Yeah, when we brought guys to the hotel, understand that we bring eighteen to the hotel, and maybe four to seven are going to get the knock on the door, and that means we have to call the guys who. Uh, who are not knocked on the door first. We, we, we learn from a, a, a difficult situation. We don't want somebody hearing somebody celebrate next door to them right. uh, when they don't get the knock on the door. Right. We, just to be a finalist for the Pro Football of Fame makes you one of the thousand top best players ever in the history of this game. Uh, but, <clears throat> uh, you know, so the hard part of the job is calling the guys to say they don't make it. I, I call John Lynch every year until this last year uh, to say, hey, I'm sorry, I hope I can call you back with better news next year. Uh, and, but I think sometimes for those guys who don't make it right away, it's even sweeter. It's even better for a guy like Jerry Kramer. But, uh, you know, when I first got the job, we brought everybody to New York and we weren't going to knock on the door. We just called them. Uh-huh. And I called Michael Strahan first because we needed to get him across town in New York to the Radio City Music Hall. Then I called Derek Brooks because he was a friend from Arena Football and I wanted to tell him the good news. And uh, the third one was Ray Guy, the punter yeah. uh, for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he'd been eligible 29 years and had never had his name called. And he almost didn't answer the phone because my area code 714 rather than 330 for Canton, but he did. And I said, uh, Ray, this is David Baker, the new president of the hall. And with his slow Southern Mississippi drawing, he said, yes, sir. And I said, um, Ray, it is my great pleasure. And I could hear him fall to the floor. The phone oh, rattling no. around. Uh, his wife, Sandy, is going, honey, baby, are you okay? And it's like two minutes, Jim, which, you know, in the media business really? is a long time. Finally, he gets up and he goes, Hey, I'm sorry. I, I don't think I understood until right now how much this meant to me. And it was kind of at that moment that we knew we had to start, you know, somehow revealing to fans how much it does mean to these guys in their journey. And, and so it's been uh, it's been real special. Uh, it, it's been real fun. Uh, but again, it's also been real instructive. I think for the rest of us that everybody has a legacy. It's, uh, it may not be in the National Football League. It may be raising some grandkids or, uh, you know, or writing a story. Ray Guy, to me, and I'm old, so I can say this because I watched him. He was the greatest punter in the history of the National Football League, without question. He's the only guy, and I know you don't know this, Commissioner, but they used to have a – long before there was the big wide screens and, and such in, in the Dome and in other stadiums – they had this, I don't know, thing hanging from the roof, okay? And it was like a, little, a small little TV screen. They, they didn't even use it but for a couple of years. But Ray Guy, I believe, was in the Pro Bowl in 76 or something along those lines. They used to have the Pro Bowl before it went to Hawaii. They, they, it was in New Orleans a couple of times. But he is the only person to ever kick a football that hit that thing at the top of the Superdome roof. And... Um, to think about when you stand on the floor of the dome, which I'm sure you have, 
and you look up and see how high it is, to be able to kick a football to the top of the Superdome is an incredible and unfathomable almost. Well, he, he actually tells me, Jim, that he had at uh, Southern Mississippi, and I don't know, I don't think it was in a game, but it was in a practice or something, where he had a punt that was kicked from his own end zone and went out of the other end zone. It was like <laughs> 122 yards. <laughs> and and uh, he is incredible. He's certainly uh, worthy of being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, people joke about uh, kickers or whatever, but they absolutely have a place. And we ha- we're lucky enough to have one uh, here. In fact, that leads into my three big questions. Um, they probably won't be that tough. They're usually, I usually ask tough questions, but... I, I can't. I mean, these these questions are important. So, uh, retiring Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, director David Baker, along with former Arena Football League commissioner, former mayor, former basketball player, just just w- what a life this man has had. Your three big question. There are only three Saints in there. I believe uh, Ricky Jackson, Morton Anderson, and Willie Rofe are the three Saints, or at least have played almost all their career with the Saints. Uh, obviously, Drew Brees is going to get in in five years. Are there any other Saints that are going to get wear that gold jacket any time in the near future, do you think? Well, I, I think there's a lot of them. Yeah, you know, uh, you, know you win one more Super Bowl, I think your coach may be there too, by the way. Yeah, I think there's but, no question. But, but I think the three you've got right now are really special. Uh, Ricky and Willie have done some great stuff. They're great men. But I tell you, for Morton, for me, uh, when I knocked upon his door, he had his head on my shoulder. We've kind of edited it so he only looks as, like his head is on my shoulder for five seconds. <laughs> but his head was on my shoulder for two minutes. And, and uh, I, I had told him uh, he had wanted us to represent his uh, ring, his bust, and his gold jacket in Shore, Denmark, which is his own. Right, and we went over there, and it was, because it was right before the Super Bowl, we only could be there for 28 hours. But I'll tell you, it was an incredible event. Here's the story of this guy who comes from Denmark as a 10th grade ex- high school exchange student, and 40 years later goes back as the all-time winningest score, all-time scoring leader in the NFL at that time. Uh, you know, I, I will also tell you. Uh, you know, he tells a wonderful story uh, that should be encouraging to everybody that's out there. But, you know, I, I may have the dates a little bit wrong, but he, uh, you know, gets cut from the Saints, but he's like 16 points away from the scoring record. So he tells his wife he's going to stay in shape, he's going to hook on with somebody, and he's going to get that scoring record. And uh, he goes down to the park and he puts on his cleats and his helmet and he wants it to be authentic and he's kicking and then pretty soon September rolls around and then get picked up. And now they have Pop Warner games and he's kicking in between Pop Warner games. And you know, everybody's wondering who that guy is with the pretty good belly who's dreaming about that old man who's dreaming about playing in the NFL. And, and he goes years without getting picked up, but still going down to that park. And, and finally the Saints pick three young kids and him, you know, he hits them all down the middle and he goes on to obliterate that record. But there's a lot of people who are at home just dreaming about, you know, getting their phone call. And are they going to be ready when that happens? And this guy, I, I love Morton. I love Willie. love Ricky. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, they're good people. But I think you got a lot more coming. And, 
you know, uh, there may be a bit of a waiting period because there's people that are playing now, but I think you got some very special players there and coaches. Um, well, we know that number nine is going to be in there. And uh, you're talking about the 10 minute, the 10 minute waiting period. That's about how long he's going to have to wait when his five years is up. I, I would think anyway. Um, yeah, I think he's automatic. And let me just tell you, uh, I've got to know just a little bit. He his him as a man. Uh, and more than a quarterback, uh, I got to know you know his family when we were down there getting the ball from them. Uh, he is going to be a spectacular Hall of Famer. He's going to be a spectacular announcer. Uh, I think uh, he was one of the greatest players to ever play this game, and I think he's going to be even better in the future. And he's a class act, a class man, and a great representative for this game. Just wish he could have hung on a little bit longer so Tom Brady doesn't break every single one of his records. It's kind of insane. <laughs> I mean, when is this dude going to retire? It's insane. Um, second question for you. Um, you know, we're recording this for to be transparent. We're recording this on Monday. This is going to run on Wednesday. Um, Commissioner, how far can these New Orleans Saints go? Some They want someone in the know to tell them, is this does this team have the potential to make another run at a Super Bowl? Yeah, I think they absolutely do. Uh, I, I think they absolutely do. I, I tell you, I think anytime you have Sean Payton as a coach, uh, you, you know, anytime you have Mickey Lewis as a GM, uh, you've got a quality organization there. And one of the great things about this is that you know the game of football is not one person. I mean, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, gets a lot of credit and, and, and things there. And, and I'll tell you, one of the things I've seen and, uh, as the common denominator between a guy like Tom or Drew or Peyton, uh, you know, their attention to detail is incredible, not just for themselves, but to drag a whole lot of other people uh, to focus on those details as well. That's what Sean Payton does. And, and, and uh, you know, the cool thing is, and I'm not sure fans truly understand it, with a 17-game season, 16-game season is long. 17-game season is longer. And, and it's not just what kind of fans we think, hey, the best team wins. That's not always true. Uh, there's strategy, there's schemes, there's health, there's the good luck of the calls, as you found, uh, unfortunately, sometimes. You're right, or no calls. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I'll tell you, it, it, is, uh, it is how do you get better? How do you improve? Uh, how do you help people stay healthy? And I think the Saints have that ability. Uh, you know, what's, what's really cool is you have the ability to be not good for one year, but for a lot of years. Final question, Commissioner. What is your greatest memory of New Orleans? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know you love this town. So. I should say something that is about a 10-year-old kid or somebody there that uh, we've had to impact, and there's a lot of them. But I'm going to tell you, when we were the – we were – the Arena Football League was literally the first event to come back into New Orleans. One after. And, uh, you know, we waited till everybody had stabilized some, but, you know, the two-thirds of the windows in the Hyatt Hotel were still blown out and hadn't been replaced. And uh, when I got there, you know, my staff was there. And when I got there, I got to the airport. And my wife and I had our luggage. And, uh, they had a, you know, black SUV for us. 
And in front of the back of the SUV, there were two motorcycle cops. And uh, and I thought they were giving us a ticket. <laughs> and, but they were, it was a motorcycle escort uh, because people were thankful that we're there. So these two guys escorted us. The next day, uh, Gene Upshaw, who was the uh, president of the Players Association, and ourselves, we got a bunch of players and we built a playground in one day uh, in a portion of New Orleans. Uh, but they had six motorcycle officers for us that day. Uh, on our way out, we, we, you know, nobody had scheduled anything to eat, and we were all exhausted. And so I asked the guy in the car to come back, and uh, and uh, uh, you know, we're going through McDonald's, and, and you know, just drive through, and it was kind of raining, starting to rain. So the motorcycle guys were putting on their, uh, you know, their slickers, and. Uh, and I asked the person to give, uh, you know, like six number threes to each of the guys on the motorcycle. Uh, the Arena Bowl happened. We had a great time. It was a wonderful event. We were on national TV. And, and then when I left to leave, <laughs> I, I, I walked out in the hotel to the valet, and we were going to the airport. And again, our, our event is essentially over. And there were 16 motorcycle cops out there to take us to the airport. And uh, and we would have been fine without any. Uh, but to me, it was a sign of connection, of appreciation. Uh, yeah, you know, I, you know I, I told one of the police officers, I said, you guys are looking like rabbits, you just proliferate. And the guy goes, the guy said, no, sir, we're thankful you're here. And, uh, that, that there was a certain spirit to that, uh, that event to to me that was so special, and you know, listen, I know when you have the Super Bowl there now, it's not like the Arena Bowl, but uh, there have been so many times where, uh, you know, so many people, uh, Tom Benson, uh, uh, you know, Gail. Uh, you know, Dennis Lauscher, Mickey Lewis, uh, Greg Bensel, Mike Stansel. I mean, you got some really good people there. And uh, and they're doing a great job playing football. But they're also more than football, too. Well, Commissioner, my first, um, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be covering the voodoo then, as I've said, uh, in the Arena Football League. And, uh, you know, people... It's hard to believe that was 15 years ago uh, that the Arena Bowl came here in 2006, but um, it was most certainly a very appreciated time. And uh, as we were rebounding and trying to recover from disaster that struck us, it struck me a lot less than it struck other people around the city uh, and this this area. But uh, it did mean a lot to us, Commissioner, uh, that the AFL came here and committed to us and obviously Mr. Benson committing to the city as well. And uh, the last tidbit I'll leave you with is uh, my wife and I, we, we began a date in 2005 and our first trip together was to Las Vegas for, uh, for the arena bowl trip. And to uh, first time we ever went on a trip together was out in Vegas. And uh, we still talk about that trip to, to this day, how great that was. And, the events that you guys put on and you kind of took it to another level and had like big bands playing at the 
the Friday before the arena bowl. And, you know, I think you had Oreo Speedwagon and you had Maroon five and all these things, man, you guys did it right back in the day. It was a lot of fun, Jim. And, and I'm glad that something good, like your marriage came from it, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of good relationships, and uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, a challenging world, and I think the reason why people always turn to the sports page first is because they're looking for some hope, and they're looking for some victory. Uh, they're looking for some perseverance, because the rest of the stuff that we get on media and social media these days uh, since tends to be so negative and so malicious. Uh, yeah. But I think that... Uh, that, that, you know, the, Tony Dungy, who I have enormous respect for, sent me a verse in the aftermath of the George Floyd uh, incident. And it was in Romans 12, 21, and it's something I think about a lot right now. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. And as I look at you and, and your career, as I look at, you know, the saints, as I look at the life and legacy of Tom Benson and Dale Gale, uh, boy, there's been a lot of good that has been done and that is being done. Uh, and so I'd say keep doing that good, Jim, okay? Comparing me to, to, to those guys is, um, is a little bit overwhelming. Mr. Commissioner, uh, David Baker, President, retiring President and Executive Director of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, I can't thank you enough for spending as much time as you have spent. I know uh, you have a lot of things going on, even as you go into retirement, and we wish you nothing but uh, the best and of luck and success and uh, health and great wishes for your family. Thanks, Jim. See you soon. I look forward to it, okay? Absolutely. David Baker, we thank him for joining Datitude and um, – you know, hopefully we'll have him on again. I'd love to talk to him again in about six months after he uh, after he gets a chance to get into real life. I mean, you think about how much time these you know public officials. I mean, it's not public official, but you think about how long people. I mean, AFL commissioner for twelve years, and then the president of the Hall of Fame for tw for eight more. So that's twenty years. And, of course, we all work and do what we have to do. But I think 20 years of being in those two jobs have probably not allowed him to spend as much time with his family as not only he would have liked, but just, in I mean, it's insane how much time he spends doing his job. So, And at um, I think he's inching up towards 70. So um, he could have retired a long time ago if he wanted to. But um, great man. Again, honored to have him on the show. Before we wrap it up, I do want to talk about um, we don't have a show tomorrow, so before we're on again, the Packers and the Cardinals will play. Obviously, Packers, the big news, Devontae Adams out. Now Alan Lazard is out, and their defensive coordinator is out. So um, the spread has gone from three and a half to six. And you know what? Aaron Rodgers don't care. He just don't care. And so I'm I'm going to take the the Packers with that one, and um, it wouldn't have been one of my five star picks or anything that we're going to have on Friday, but I thought it was important to talk about because I don't understand that line at all. I mean, it jumped from three and a half to six. Devontae Adams and a defensive coordinator not worth two and a half points to me. Um, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. So 
I mean, yeah, you miss your defensive coordinator, but the coaches that are there, they know how to call the defensive plays. I mean, you know, you're going to be chasing around Kyler Murray all night anyway. So the game plan was was pretty much already in, especially on an early week. We'll see how much it affects. We did see it affected the Saints. So maybe, of course, they lost multiple coaches in that Carolina game. I think half the coaching staff was out that night, that day. So um, we'll see if it, it affects them. But I still am putting my money on Aaron Rodgers. And actually, I really like the money line in this game. And I certainly wouldn't take Arizona in a knockout pool. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be silly enough to do that. But, uh, you know, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. A lot of people just look at the lines and say, okay, six-and-a-half-point favorites, I'll go with them. But I can't imagine people are going to pick that one. But I, I think it's going to be a good game. And then we never talked about the World Series um, before we go off the air today. But, hey, how about those Atlanta Braves? And I told you a couple weeks ago, as soon as I bet on Houston, I'm like, I had money on Houston, the Dodgers, and uh, the Red Sox. I had them all at great prices. So I said, I just guaranteed the Braves would win the World Series. And I'm okay with that. Hey, I'm not an Astros fan in, 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 in at all. At all. I know a lot of you listening are, but uh, hey. Go Braves. I love the way they play baseball. They play with a lot of heart. They lost Charlie Morton now. They're ace, so it's going to affect them certainly later on in the series. But if they can find a way to win game two in Houston tonight... Um, and take a two to nothing lead going home, they're going to be really tough to beat. And, but Houston is outstanding. I still think Houston is the best team, overall team in Major League Baseball. So we'll see how they respond. Um, um, I never gave a shout out in the first half of uh, the first part of the show, as I do every, every day uh, here. I want to give a shout out to Caesar Sportsbook, an exclusive partner with us at the Advocate Time Speak Union, Uh We thank Caesars for being our title sponsor. Also a reminder, you can reach me at J. Derry Jr. I keep doing that. At J. Derry at theadvocate.com. I keep saying it. That's my old email. I, I, it's like your old phone number. You can never forget it. People ask you for your phone number. If you, if you change it, like for the next two years, just you give your old phone number out. At J. Derry at theadvocate.com and at Jim Derry Jr. on Twitter. If you want to be a part of this show, feel free to email me or tweet at me at Jim Derry Jr. and we'll get your comment or question on. You can listen to this podcast in multiple places, wherever you're listening now, of course, at bet.nola.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Just search Datitude and make sure to subscribe so you can be alerted every time we've got a new episode. And we have new episodes on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, unless the Saints are playing on a weird day, and that'll be throughout the rest of the football season. And then we'll figure out where we go from there. Videos on bet.nola.com. Odds and ends on Mondays with Zach Ewing, Devin Jackson, and myself. Fantasy Roundup with Zach and Spencer Urquhart on Tuesdays. And at the book on Thursdays. Tomorrow, featuring Cashing In with Carvel, Zach, Devin Jackson, and myself. We go over all of my fabulous picks from last week, and their picks too. And look, Devin Jackson is on fire, and he has been all season long. If you want to make some money, follow Devin Jackson's pick. That dude is on fire. Make sure you check in with that. But uh, that is certainly going to wrap it up for today. Again, I want to thank David Baker for spending an hour with us, and uh, it was an outstanding interview. And again, on Friday, all about betting, my friends. It's going to be Conductor Dave with the choo-choo train coming on. 
along with Uncle Big Nick, who says he's been doing research for two days, and he's fired up and ready to come on Foddy's show is, so we can give you some winners. Look, everybody, dodge that weather. Stay away from it best as you can. It's not going to be pretty today. But then we're going to get rewarded with some beautiful weather for the rest of the weekend, especially um, on Halloween. We'll talk about how lovely Halloween is on Friday. We'll give you all treats and no tricks, and we'll see you then. Peace and love, my friends. <laughs>